Gotis, I'm starting to fall off, you know? Like, all right, just the court is cool with me, you know? I really got lost, because we used to just say transgender Ukrainian people of color. You know? Now it's Tupac. <laughs> My girlfriend needs me to be more inclusive. So I started doing DIY projects. I like creative DIY. I put a bunch of braille on my windows describing the view outside. And now my blinds feel included. <laughs> my parents broke up when I was little. My dad caught my mom cheating. And I think it's really dramatic to ruin a nice family over a board game. <laughs> I'm losing my eyesight, losing it fast. I work on the computer, and I stare at a screen all day. And that's how I know my porn addiction's getting really out of control. <laughs> I'm very white, if you can't tell. From Vermont, which is northeast, about as far as you can get from San Francisco in the CONUS. Darkest thing to come out of Vermont, grade A maple syrup. Statistically, Vermont is the whitest state. I think it goes back and forth with Maine, you know? One family goes over the border to get their groceries. I, don't know. I think part of puberty growing up in such a white place is acting like you're not white. I'll put it that way, right? Like, hear me, hear me here, and I'm not saying this is right, okay? When I was a freshman in high school, we all played basketball. We all had Vince Carter jerseys, Air Jordans. None of us could fucking dunk. We had one kid. His name was David. He was 6'11". He dunked it senior year. Whole town had an event, went crazy for him. All right. <laughs> I got it there. Thanks, everybody. Sam West, everyone. Wait, were you the kid dunking? Because you're hella tall. And you can't, you can't, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I have no idea how tall people are. He's not 6'11". Everybody, Sam West, yay. Uh, your next comedian, we're moving right along. Clap your hands in a wild slappy like motion for Covet to Sing. Yay! So, I don't do one night stands anymore. Okay, I, I had one one night stand uh, and it was my last. I met a guy at a bar, uh, he was 34. Um, and I was like, yes, I was 22, okay? So I was like, yes, like I found a sexpert, you know, anytime he was like close to finishing early, he would do a minute of Lamaze, you know? Like I, I thought I hit the jackpot. Um, and then, so we go home together and, um, you know, like we're doing foreplay and I don't know, having sex with him was like making a sandcastle because his dick, dick kept like slipping through my fingers. And it was, it was rough. Like, you, you know, I was just like, I was like, um, what, what did I do? I was just like, I was like working the dough. You know, I was like working the dough, working the dough, working the dough. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm tired. This is really hard. And so I eventually told, I mean, it's not hard, but I told him, I was like, look, dude, I really don't think it's working. Like I've seen sourdough, sourdough starters like rise quicker than this. And he eventually was like, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I should tell you that I've been really stressed lately because my brother is uh has cancer and i was like oh i knew this was too good to be true you know like like 
he was 34. He was supposed to be a sexpert, you know, and he looked like a block of ice. And it turns out this chisel, like, I'm cute. I'm not hot. And this guy, like, I know my place, you know, and, and this freaking chiseled block of ice was just looking to be held, you know, so I was kind of disappointed. Um, but it's okay. It's, it, it was fine. Um, also, by the laws of the one night, one night stand, he could have said anything else, like, it was the whiskey, you know, or... I have no interest in you. Um, and I think any of those would have been preferred alternatives. Um, but we continued anyway. Like he was like, he was like, oh, I, I feel bad. I feel like I killed the mood. And I was like, yes, cancer kind of has that effect. Um, and then he like tried to go down on me. And I was like, oh no, this is gonna be really bad. Uh, Cause it was like someone took a vacuum and like sucked out of, sucked all the optimism out of my pussy. Uh, so I was like, oh, what do I do? Think of something sexy, think of something sexy. I was like, oh, the first time that I got a library card, like, yes. <laughs> um, and then I was like, okay, we got the faucet running. Um, and then he was like, okay, two fingers or three? And I was like, four, where do you think I store my library cards? And then, you know, like, it was, it was fine, it was okay. Like, after we were just, like, lying down together, you know, I, like, completely resigned, and I, I didn't want to be so judgmental. Um, so I was like, so your brother, uh, does his dick work, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, uh, no, I obviously didn't say that. I wanted to be supportive. Uh, so he was, he was basically like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't, like, this is a lot that I'm dumping on you, and I feel like I haven't, like, like, I, you probably don't relate. And I was like, oh, I, I totally relate, you know? Like, I've struggled too. Uh, you know, if my mom, like, if, if I change my major one more time, my mom's gonna kill me. Because uh, cause I was 21 and he was 34. This is great, I'm just <laughs> rambling. This, this, is, this is a lot. Um, okay, <laughs> bye guys. Comment to sing, everyone. That was like a time warp. I thought we were like, this was last night, and then you were 21. I was like, we're in a time warp, yeah! Doodaloo, doodaloo, doodaloo. It was fun. Everybody, comment to sing, yay! We have a couple comedians left. Your next comedian, it's his first time here. Put your hands together for Jonathan Yang! Oh, th th that'd be nice. That would be, that's how these things work. So I'm a pretty f philosophical person. The other day I was thinking back about something my high school teacher, Mr. Simon, uh, told us, well, told me. We weren't in class. We were just in bed together. But he said, how many holes does a straw have? How many holes does a straw have? What do you guys think? Some say one, some say two. I don't know. I think it's one. Um, but there's a, there's a healthy debate about it, and apparently we all came from these organisms that were mouth and anus. They call them manus animals, manus. Um, and the sea cucumber is the remaining ancestor of this manus. Um, you know, it's a pretty wonderf wondrous organism. 
They have, uh, their other organisms live inside of its asshole. Because it's such a beautiful asshole that they just like live inside of it. And I thought, wow, those are some lucky bastards. Because uh, I'm pretty infatuated with holes, or one hole in particular. Um, I talk about them a lot. Um, and that is the asshole. But if it's, if it's an asshole and a mouth, I, mean, I, I just feel like it's one thing, you know? People are kind of grossed out when I say I love to eat asshole for hours. Uh, they're kind of grossed out by it. But, you know, if a straight guy comes up here and says he eats pussy for hours, you guys would be so congratulatory. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not this crowd. Um, so, yeah. Assholes. You know, gays really, really have a, uh, a whole culture around assholes, as you can imagine. Um, we call them bussies. They're boy pussies. Bussies. So, yeah, I'm killing it today. Um, okay, what else? What else? What else? <laughs> oh, this is something that... Funny that happened. Um, probably not funny because you guys aren't laughing. But um, the security guard in my job today, I needed a, I needed um, a temporary badge because I left mine at home. And he's like, you know, Jonathan, I really want to ask you, how do you speak English so well? Like what? It's been a while since I've gotten some semi-racist comments like that in San Francisco. And he was, he, you know, he was very genuine, so I didn't really want to school him or anything. But, you know, it takes me back to my Chicago days. Like, people just assume you're supposed to sound a certain way. Uh, so that's about it. That's all I have today. Thank you. Yay! Jonathan Yang doesn't sound like he's from Chicago. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Not even a little. You didn't even talk about deep dish pizza once. Uh, your next comedian, he's also new to the room. He, I don't know his last name, but put your hands together for Ali. Yay! What's going on, guys? Um, I am new to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I love all the homeless talk because, like, that was, like, the first I got here. I was like, like, dude, this is the Olympics of homeless people. Like, they are, like, having fun out here. Like, it's almost too fun to be homeless. And they run the, sh they run the city. Like, I got in here and I saw you guys and I was like, fuck, they got the homeless, they got the open mic. Like, they're all... Okay, but uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm from Michigan, all right? And, uh, you know, Michigan had, like, the whole, ca like, capital was overthrown by, like, these crazy people. And uh, I'm pretty sure that was planned in a room that was just like this. <laughs> like, walked in here, I was like, all right, we're overthrowing some shit tonight. Or someone's inciting a rally. Um, <laughs> no, this is a sick room. I really like this place. But anyways, I grew up Muslim, and I have a theory that it's more difficult to be a kid who's Muslim than an adult, because as a kid, you don't know what to believe, but as an adult, you kind of just, you, you believe what you believe, you just, you know? Like, Monday to Friday, I was in school hanging out with all these white kids, and then Saturday, I go to religious school, and they teach me about how those same white kids are going to burn in hell one day. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, when I was a kid... 9-11 happened, and all over the news was Osama bin Laden. I was like, we need to find Osama bin Laden. Like, Osama bin Laden's a bad guy. And I was like, oh. And, like, I go to the mosque with my dad, and, like, the head guy comes out, and I'm like, Dad, 
think we got him. <laughs> That's him right there. My dad's like, shut the fuck up. Please stop talking. <laughs> um, my dad, you know, uh, he taught me something recently. So you guys ever meet an immigrant person who's like uh, really into Trump? It's, it's odd, right? It's like, it's like dude, what? Um, but I think I get it now because, you know, my dad, he's from India, came here, and he always hits me with the, like, you know, we struggled so hard to get you to have, like, a successful life and, you know, do what you want. All right, yeah, cool, cool. That fires me up. So I was interviewing for a job the other day, and uh, the head guy comes on. He's, like, the executive. It's the last interview or whatever. He's this Indian dude from Bangalore, just like phoning in virtually, thicker Indian accent than my dad. And I'm like, Dad, you know that whole struggle step? Like, this guy completely skipped that. They're coming to our country. They're taking our jobs, Dad. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I got one more. All right. Um, I have a pretty boring life. So when I use Instagram, I'm not really posting anything. I'm just kind of scrolling which catches up to you after a while because it's like you're learning a lot about other people and they have no idea what the hell's going on in your life. Like I ran into my ex-girlfriend a few years ago in Chicago and she was like, you're in Chicago? Like since when? And I'm like, um, I'm pretty sure it was like a month after your family's trip to Italy last year. Uh, like by the time you did that girls weekend in Vegas, like we were all, I was all moved into Chicago, so... What's up? <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Thank you, guys. Yay, Ellie! Let your ex-girlfriend know she can stalk you by listening to you at www.mutinyradio.fm. Yay! <laughs> uh, your next comedian has been so patient. Put your hands together for Brett Harper Jennings. Yay! I should have been a better audience member. Um... I talked through all of your sets. Oh God. Oh God. Um, oh, I'm really um I uh I'm nervous saying my name. Like for a long time I was I thought like I don't know, like I was nervous I was pronouncing it wrong or like <laughs> I was like mumbling too much. And so um I sometimes would just go tell people my ma- my name is Tina. Um and it's not, it's Brett. But I would tell people it's Tina because it was easier. Uh, I was once at a party and I said, uh, my name is Brett. And the person I was talking to was like, got it. And then we walked over to a group of people and they were like, this is Brett. And everyone was like, Brett, that's a crazy name. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it is. Um, and I wanted to be like, I'm not Brett, you're Brett. You know, because that's like a mean name thing to call other people. <laughs> It's just, it's like, I don't, you don't think of, like, healthy people when you think of bread. But anyway, I, and then um, I was talking to someone, and they asked for my Instagram, and I showed them, and it was my real name, Brett, and they're like, that's not, your name isn't Brett, it's Brett. And I was like, yeah, I just lied, and it was really uncomfortable. Um, okay, kind of like this. Um, yeah. Oh, I I was trying to make a hair appointment. And uh, you know when you haven't done something in a long time and you're like, oh, am I weird? Or is this a bad situation? Like, or is the other person weird? Like, uh, 
I was on the phone and then I was like, hi. And the guy was like, uh, uh, hello. I was like, I'd like to make an appointment. And he's like, uh, okay, uh, that's okay. Uh, I need to find a pen. And I was like, okay. And he's like, um, I'm going to give you a number and you need to send pictures to this number. I was like, okay. <laughs> so he sent a bunch of pictures of my hair to the number and I think I'm getting my hair done next week. I really hope. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Is that normal? Has anyone else ever had to send pictures of their... Okay, cool, cool. That's, that's fine. Um, great. Uh, I... Um, w when I was younger, uh, growing up, I wasn't allowed to have an opinion uh, unless I had, like, enough of a good reason to have that opinion. Like, uh, in elementary school, like, people would, are, would always ask you, like, what's your favorite color? And I always was like, what are they playing at, you know? Like, what, what are they trying to get me to admit? And, um, and so I would practice, I was like, it's yellow, and, uh, it's, and it's because it's bright. Because if I ever, s if my parents asked, they'd be like, why? And then I'd have to have a reason. Um, I don't know if this is funny or just sad. Uh, and <laughs> so I, like, I remember thinking really hard about it and and I don't want to do the rest because it's not funny okay thank you Pam one sec let me try oh oh no I'm gonna try something else uh okay my parents are very supportive though <laughs> um yeah uh I my roommate made a bunch of cookies and she left them out for everyone she said anyone can have any of the cookies and I ate all of the cookies and um, and then she sent this passive-aggressive text being like, whoever ate all the cookies, like, what I meant was you could have some, not all of them. And I told my mom, and she was like, well, what you need to do is you need to, like, go to a bakery, you need to buy some cookies for her, and you need to shove them up her ass, because she sounds <laughs> awful. And I like that that is something my mom said. Okay, thank you, guys. Twitter for Jennings. If you want, I can make you some pot cookies, but don't tell her there's weed in them and it'll trip her shit out. I would never, I would never, I, everyone should always know when you're taking drugs. I'm sorry. I just advocated giving people drugs without consent. That's not cool. Don't do that. Always tell your mom when you're giving her weed cookies. Your next, is, has anyone seen Jason King? Okay, Kyle Morrissey's here. Everybody, Kyle Morrissey, yay! <laughs> Um, I started a new job recently, and I I hate how every time I start a new job, they make me watch the the sexual harassment training videos. Um, I mean they make everybody watch them, not just me. I didn't do anything, but it's mandatory. You know, I didn't no, I didn't like join my first Zoom meeting. Like, look how excited I am to be here. You know, I uh, I hate the sexual harassment training videos because. According to these videos, workplace representation has come such a long way. But every time they show the office pervert, they s he still they always still suspiciously look a lot like me, like like a older, balder, more divorced version of me. And so now I'm kind of like invested in this guy. I'm kind of rooting for him. I I'm like, look, man, you have an office crush. That's fine. You didn't develop any healthy relationships in college, and so and the only social life you have is at work. And and I want this guy, I want this guy to win. 
But then they he always goes and does something stupid. Like he'll say to the intern, like, "Hey, what's up, Melissa? I got a big deadline for you." And it's like, "Come on, man! I would never say that." At least try giving her a kiss or something. <laughs> like, you know. I hate those videos. Um, they uh, they always the the writing in them is so corny. Um, I, I they kind of look like porn. <laughs> The, the 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 office sexual harassment training videos are as corny as the beginning of like a work porn video it's it I can't it's like like one of them just looks like what the guy in the video would want 30 seconds after the first video it's like that's just this is just an extension of what this guy is thinking in this video it how, where's that gonna go uh, I don't know um I I think a uh, drug education was bad growing up. They you, you could never really convey why you should be concerned about drugs. You just had to go I just had to go and find out myself. Like when I was in high school, my favorite show was The Simpsons. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And then my freshman year of college, I tried acid and then I never laughed at that show again. I never something happened. I don't know what happened, but I tried watching it again, and and every time I afterwards, I just be like, damn, maybe life is a cartoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> life do be making you feel like you have four fingers sometimes. Uh, I was uh I was coddled growing up. I even back then I I I knew it was bullshit. I wasn't buying it. Um. My my parents would always say like you're the best son a parent could ever ask for, and even back then I'd be like, do you have citations? Like, are, are other parents corroborating this? Because then that would make a difference. If 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 a friend's dad came up to me, it was just like, I love you. Like that would. <laughs> then I'd be like, all right, maybe mom and dad are onto something. Maybe maybe they maybe they do know something about myself that I don't know yet. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we could, you know, give this a shot. Um, I, uh, I'm creepy. Uh, um, I don't li like, I don't mind that part. It's how people categorize it. Like, sometimes, uh, you know, just as like a weird fucking white dude with sallow cheekbones. Uh, you just get, you know, you get a lot of like, like, I get a lot of like, oh, mess shooter. And, and, that's offensive to me. I, I got serial killer once, and I was like, that's more of a compliment. That, like, because at least you think I have relationships with people. Like, at least you think, like, I, got, I get the benefit of the doubt. Like, that dude, it, serial killers get invited to barbecues. I get invited to barbecues. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I bring my own chili. All right. Oh, that's the end of the whole mic, isn't it? <laughs> Yay, Cal Morsi! But it's not, it's not, it's not because we're kind of holding time for Jason King because Jason King is on his way. And so I'm just going to do one new joke in hopes that Jason King comes. But you can leave. But Jason King, I hope that Jason is coming, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell one more joke and then we'll hopefully he comes. Yay. So you don't have to, I know you guys all want to go to the Condor. It was really fun last week and it really is fun and you guys should go and it's a great show. It really is. I totally understand. I'm just burning time for Jason King. I'm just going to do like one new thing of material and then if he doesn't show up, then I feel terrible for him. And then are you going to Geary or do you want to take all the buses together? Okay, that's cool. 
So for the people that are still here, and this is exciting, I did, I was being very white lady and I was hiking. I went on a hiking weekend. Thank you. I did a very white thing and my friend has Lululemon pants and do you know why they cost $120? Cause you can't get a camel toe in them. That's the only reason why I spelunk that whole shit out. I was like, why does Lululemon cost so much money? Why would it be $120 for a pair of yoga pants? Please tell me. And now I know, no matter what position you're in, you have no camel toe. Lululemon pants make you look like you are a Grecian goddess, uh, even if you're almost 50. It's amazing. Okay, so my friend is very rich, and she has Lululemon pants. She also has, like, a, a condo up at Donner Lake. So, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to Donner Lake. We have to go to the museum. She's like, we're going on a hiking vacation. I'm like, yes, hiking. Every day we're going to go on a hike, and we're going to hike along the places where the people ate each other and died in the snow. Ha <laughs> ha, why didn't they eat? So this is my first question. Before I even learned about it, my questions, I was like, there's a lake there and there and there. In the winter, what happens to the fish? Nothing. You just have to ice fish. So the fish are under the big, you've got to dig in, and then you fish for the fish. There's food. Also, haha, pine nuts. There's pine cones everywhere. There's pine nuts that has fat, it has protein. There are pine nuts. So here's the thing. The dumb Americans are like, we gotta get buddy. Here's the thing, capitalism. Here's this is my okay. So these are all these, these are these fucking idiot capitalists. They're like, we want money. We have lots of money. I'm a cabinet maker and we're the Donner Party. Woo! And they okay, so the Donner Party was this one guy and he was like 60. He was old to be doing like a cross trek thing. And they left from Illinois. They were the last caravan to leave. And they said, You might be leaving too late. We heard this winter's gonna be a rough one. And they left anyway. And they're like, this is so easy. They were following the track, la, la, la. And then they're like, ooh, it's getting cold. We heard about this cutoff. Let's do this thing that's never been tried. These idiots that have no idea. The hubris of rich capitalists. Well, of course, we're taking our horses across the land. That, ha, ha, ha. And then they get to the mountains. And they're lifting their thing. Okay, it's so funny. So they get, they get to Donner Lake, which is so beautiful. And... They built this monument, and it's like, so the snowdrifts that year were as high as where the bottom of the... <laughs> so there's all of these people from Illinois who have no idea how to... There was... Ha! Okay, this is the part of the joke. This is the joke that's so funny. This is the thing. So all these idiots, these capitalist idiots are like, we got to get gold! And they're trying to get there, and they're trying, and they're failing. They went the wrong way. They listened to this one guy. And then they got in a fight, and they kicked out this one guy, and they banished him, but then he got to Sutter's Fort on his own. He brought back the rescue party. Ha <laughs> ha! The guy they banned. Anyways, it's such a good story. But the most best part of the story is that they were camping. They were living for that winter, and it's this lake where the Washoe Indians every year, the Native Americans, I'm such a dick, that's where they would, like, party every summer. They would go up there, and they would fish, and they would have barbecues and parties, and they would dry their fish, and they'd get all their stuff. They'd collect all their stuff, and then they'd go down to the deserts during the winters, and they just, they were up there like, ah. Oh. And some of them lived up there, and they, okay, so the people are dying, and they're scared, and all this stuff's happening. And they were, like, giving them rabbit flesh and, like, wild potatoes and, like, putting them in places. And the white dummies are like, what's this? Well, I guess we can eat this. Okay, so in the middle of the winter, they come to try to help the dumb white people, and they have a carcass they've killed a deer for them and they come up to the camp and the white people shot at them 
trying to save them, and then you shot at them. I'm sorry. I hate America. I'm like, I would have been like the washer. I was like, you've got food. Are we buddies? Like, we could figure it out. We're going to hang out in the snow together. The pine nuts, there was all this. And the, so they came back in the middle of the winter to help them again to check it out because they just lived there or whatever. They're like, yeah, we live here in the winter. You know, we hunt the squirrels and the birds and stuff, whatever. We live here. We've saved all our nuts and we've got dried fish. Just hang out and play cards or whatever. I don't know. They've been, they've been there for 2,000 years. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then the subway people are there, and they're like. So uh, last thing, oh, they shot at him, and then there was something else. Um, no, it's, uh, oh, they came back, and they were like, oh, shit, they're eating each other. These white people are super fucking evil. And then they said, we're not messing with them ever again because they actually had to resort. That's the whole great thing. They didn't have to resort to cannibalism. Anyway, Okay. Capitalism's bad, and <laughs> thanks for trying. Thank you guys for waiting. I'm Jason's not coming. Thanks for listening to my TED talk. Thank you. That was yeah. Everybody, we're all gonna go to Geary Club next, probably. Thank you for being here. You're the smarty pants person. You come up with smart things. We'll have to have interesting conversations. And thank you all for being here. And you're new, and that's great, Ali. You're the coolest. And um, so like you're Indian, but you're like, they made you be Pakistani or whatever, right? You were like, they did, we're, we're, we, I don't, who knows? They were like, hey, you were this, and now you're like, go this way. Right? It's, you tri- What's it called? It's called generational trauma. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm so white that I'm like, I'm going to write a series of poems about the Native Americans, and I'm going to do land acknowledgments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book of poetry called Land Acknowledgments, and I'm going to research all of the Native American tribes that were in the areas that I've lived in in California, because I've only lived in California. So I'm going to take all the places I've lived, Danville over there with the Mount Diablo, Davis. I'm going to look in all the places of San Diego that I've lived in, and I'm going to take those tribes, I'm going to research those tribes, and then I'm going to write a land acknowledgment to them, because I've lived where they lived. And I feel like as a white lady, it's my duty to like fucking be like, I know no one else is going to say like, I'm really sorry for taking your shit, bro. But like, I want to know about the tribes that lived here before me that I'm stealing their fucking land and they were eating all the nasturtiums and all the cool things. I don't know. I don't know if we like give a nod to our ancestors, even if they weren't ours. Like I'm like land acknowledgements. I'm so white. That's the thing that I feel guilty about bringing it up because I'm the white lady. I'm like, look at the white lady talking about Like Next will be like, oh, she's making headdresses out of, no, I'm not trying to appropriate anything. I'm trying to apologize. And reparations for all the people and everything could be free. Money is not real. I'll see y'all at Geary Club. Yay. Here I have a new poetry collection on Amazon. Here's the title poem, The Shaman in the Library. Naked except for a loincloth, ritual scars and streaks of red clay, he attends the staff meeting. Bowl haircut, back straight, face impassive. Why is he here? No one knows. 
Since the library opened, he's pushed the loaded book cart and replaced Suzanne Summers and Gwyneth Paltrow in the diet and exercise section. Trembling patrons pay late fees promptly when he stands by the circulation desk. A few parents complain their teenagers shadow him chasing rumors of hallucinogenic ayahuasca vines hidden in the botany section. And after the singed carpet incident, management forbade cooking fires. No more fresh rabbit meat. Only packets of microwaved cassava. He pricks his fingertip at shift's end and fills out his timesheet with human blood. It's a good life. His employer provides health insurance and a retirement plan. But when the wild parrots come to strip fruit from nearby trees, he remembers the land of his birth, his vision quest, fasting to the point of death and how his spirit animal came to him. He remembers inhabiting the jaguar's body, its savage strength and the power he gained, power to take life and heal. Free from culture and convention, he hunted at night, the heart-pounding chase, the taste of wild boar's blood. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Black Block, a novel about protest from Sanjuro, a sample. The walk from Union Square to the bar is a long way for a drink, so you want a few stopovers. You get warmed up at Lefty O'Doul's, an old-time tavern with memorabilia and a menu from another century. Then a Market Street dive to rub elbows with the hoi polloi. Next is a Folsom leather bar. The dark goth soundtrack is a refreshing change from the usual jukebox anthems but you must avert your eyes lest you observe gentlefolk in flagrante. That means fucking. Tonight, none of these places are open unless looters are broken in. The city is shut down because of the riots. Thank you. Find me at sandrorider.com and Black Block is on Amazon. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. Have you heard of Subliminal SF?
visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen. Graphic design for every need and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to SubliminalSF.com now. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. October 9th through 16th, 2022, the 7th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming to you San Francisco and beyond. So many venues this year. Atlas Cafe, Madam Racecar, The Bar on Dolores, El Rio, Baby Blues Barbecue, OMG, and the Alameda Comedy Club, as well as Emperor Norton's Boozeland and Mutiny Radio. 28 shows all week. Get your tickets at Eventbrite and for free on Sunday the 16th. It's a block party, part of the Phoenix Day block party. See you, or Livable City, who brought you Sunday Streets. We're going to have a block party. We're going to have the Bacon Bacon food truck, art vendors, 40 comedians from all over the United States outside, ready to make you laugh. Please come out to the 7th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival at eight different venues, October 9th through 16th, 2022. See you there. The National Lawyers Guild is dedicated to the need for basic change in the structure of our political and economic systems. They seek to unite lawyers, law students, legal workers, and jailhouse lawyers of America to function as an effective political and social force in the service of the people, to the end that human rights shall be regarded as more sacred than mere property interests. For more information about your legal rights, how to obtain legal assistance, or to donate, please contact the National Lawyers Guild at nlgsg.org. That's nlgsg.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger. 
Crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. on a lark and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Ah, let's watch a full-length movie. Hey, back once again, it's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. As you can tell from that fantastic theme song, it's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hiya, Carl. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, I, I really wanted you to be on the show on <laughs> Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie with um, Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Great. Glad to have you as a uh, guest once again. Yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. Happy to start the show off like this every week. Every week we are here on mutinyradio.fm. We are streaming right now on mutinyradio.fm. Join us. Listen to us first as we stream first every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know, you could kick back earlier in the afternoon or you could kick back later in the afternoon. What the fuck do I care? But we also are a podcast. So you don't even have to stream, although it would help. Yeah. Uh, it would help. God, how passive aggressive is that? We are at L W A F L M O Y T. Reason why we bring up the acronym up front. That's how you can find us on podcast, and we have a fantastic YouTube channel with the same acronym, L W A F L M O Y T. We're gonna watch a full length movie on YouTube with you. We would love for you to listen to the podcast and watch the movie on YouTube at the same time. You could turn off the sound in the movie. Who gives a shit? Yeah, right. Listen Just to what? James Marsden. And uh, yeah, so we are going to watch this movie. And usually these are movies I read about, had no access to, had to go by what the book said. But now they're on YouTube. So I don't have to search for it. I could just watch it. It's a miracle. Yeah. The whole fetish. I love fetishizing stuff. I have a collection of physical media right here looking at me back. Maybe I don't want to go for a search. Maybe I just want to see this movie, not read about it. 
Carl, what is this movie this week? Today we will watch a movie that doesn't quite fit with that description because you weren't young when it came out. No. Accidental Love 2015. Accidental Whoa. Love. Mm -hmm. Accidental Love 2015? Yeah, anything with the 20 kind of doesn't fit your, you know, I used to read about it as a kid. No, but I read about this on AV Club. Okay, so today the legacy Back, continues. Yeah, in 2006 I read about this movie. It was it was made in 2008, believe it or not. I read um, about it two years before it was made. <laughs> call me a liar? <laughs> not to your face. Okay, so in the YouTube search engine, you put in accidental, which okay. is spelled like the word accidental, love, L-O-V-E, 2015. And the channel we like, Accidental Love 2015, is online movies. Oh, that's exactly what I like, online movies. I'm going to subscribe to this channel. It's very okay. descriptive to what is going on. We will be watching a movie. We'll be online. Online movies provides that service for you. So here's what we need you to do. We want you to find a device that has your YouTube on it. Go to their search engine. Type in Accidental Love 2015. You'll find a version hosted by online movies. It's kind of redundant. Yes. Click the link, but hit pause. Move your timer to zero, zero, zero. We want to watch this movie all at the same time. Let us watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With and you. Carl, Carl's kind of being modest every week. He's not, yeah, not a guest. Yeah, you need to stop that bit already. No. What? <laughs> what? Stop a bit? No. Beat it to death every week. Uh, yeah. Carl has written. Carl wrote the theme song. Carl has researched this movie. He's going to provide... Uh, uh, guidance as we watch at the same time and he's also spoken to a celebrity comedian who is going to do a celebrity comedian countdown and when the next celebrity comedian says go press go and it's actually going to be really interesting i don't even have a chance to listen to beforehand but carl has delved deep into this next comedian the carl yeah this guy this next guy's from tibet you're gonna love him mm -hmm. we tibet, have new jersey later. Well, Tibet, which county? Bergen? It's, it's Sussex, Sussex County. Sussex yeah. County. Tibet, New Jersey. Okay, take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Cassidy O'Malley. Welcome, Cassidy. Now, you, my dear, are super new to comedy. I mean, it's been like two seconds. Like, tell me the story, how you got into it, how long ago, and what's up that made you want to do this okay carl so i feel like you you've seen me at my my first spot scotty's uh -huh. i see you there from time to time so as corny as it sounds um doing comedy was actually always in the back of my mind like kind of corny my little girl dream like my dad he's a big comedy fan he always like we grew up like he showed me Monty Python, his favorite comedians, like, and my dad's hysterical too. So it was always just like there. And my entire family, I mean, we're a big Irish family. We got alcoholics, we got everything. <laughs> we have a lot of big personalities in one room, to say the least. So, I mean, everyone's always cracking jokes. And yeah, I just never had, for lack of a better word, the cojones to mm -hmm. get up on stage. And then I graduated college, was kind of just in like a weird, it was still kind of COVID, kind of not, but 
I was just really itching to like do something that it's I was- really that recent, like 2021, 2022. This past December, it hasn't even been a year, Carl. Wow. And oh also, um, in the midst, I did that class at Scotty's. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, I know like comedians get shit on for like taking a comedy class, but uh-huh. I just figured I saw the sign. I was literally driving, saw the sign. And I was like, you know what? This is my chance. Cause I can do it in secret. I can get in there, see if I have any skill at this. And if I suck, no one will know. Right. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is perfect. And did the class. Actually, the class was great, too. Like, I loved it. Chip we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Shout out, okay. Chip. Great mm-hmm. guy. We're doing a fundraiser there, too. September 22nd. He'll be hosting. Okay. So definitely come through if you're not busy. Um, so I did the class. And, like, literally from there on out, like, I was addicted. Like, I was like, let's do mics. Like, let's go. Well, so that how were you at the showcase? How was the reaction to you at the showcase? Did you kill? Um, pretty good. I didn't invite a single person, which I know that definitely made Chip um and the rest of the class annoyed. But I was like, guys, like, I don't know what I'm doing. My biggest thing, even to this day, I'm super self-conscious, inviting friends and family. Like, I enjoy, I'm sure you can relate. Like, I mean, I don't know. I enjoy performing for like strangers like people Mm -hmm. I don't know I find it kind of distracting when there are like your best friends per se in like the front row which I mean I love it I want everyone to come but like for me as a performer it is kind of a little distracting can you relate to that at all yeah can you get nervous you have yourself you're distracted by um, uh, your self-conscious and when you get up there it's like if they're strangers, it kind of doesn't matter because they're not going to see you again. And they don't know who you are, so you could be anything for them. Exactly. All and Carl, I'm 24. Like, I fucking love my friends, but, like, some people have never been to a comedy show in their life. You know what I mean? Like, I got to give the girls a little pep talk. Like, yo, like, no phones, no chatter, like, no, like, mm-hmm. no getting, like, absolutely wasted. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Sometimes me as, like, one, a performer, and two, just kind of a micromanager. I'm like, ooh, it's a little added stress that, uh-huh. like, adds to the stress of performing, you know? What was your major? Because I know you came from a place in which comedy was common in your household. Like, was mm-hmm. your major anything to do with, like... My major was basketball. Basketball. So it was... <laughs> that's kind of performing. My actual major was... um. Oh, you're I was a communications major, which is like the classic. That um, is. Yeah. Okay. But really, I just was like kind of phoning it in in college. I went to Ithaca mm-hmm. College, like loved it there, played mm-hmm. basketball. And then even crazier, Carl, also another secret I don't tell comics, but it's out here now. I have my MBA, uh-huh. which is like crazy. I was actually working on a bit about this, but I do have my master's in entertainment and media management. So I feel like I'm very much so like kind of in a way utilizing a lot of the skills I got there now doing comedy, you know? So if you're 24, you must have graduated and gone straight into the master's immediately. Yeah, because it was COVID. Uh Uh-huh. So did you do it online, I guess? Because... Yeah, so um, we did... Actually, they had it set up really nicely for us in which we could... I was still in Ithaca. 
I decided to do it, yeah, basically even before I officially graduated because I was the marketing major and like I really figured out through internships and stuff that like I really did not like that world. Like it was uh -huh. just kind of fucking corny in my eyes of just like, I don't know. Like I wasn't into it. I had two sort of internships and then I saw the entertainment and media management like option to get my master's i'm like that's for me because i love pop culture i love entertainment movies tv it is just it's like what really does get me like excited to go and like learn about that kind of stuff the marketing like i said i mean in college i was just kind of like i'm a social butterfly at heart like i'm coming to class and just like chit chat like what's up Mm -hmm. And I mean, the communications major was great. It gave me like great public speaking skills, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, marketing, like I kind of like came to the conclusion. I'm like, I'm not that into this. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't because you're bullshitting people. That That isn't the reason it turns you oh, off. No. Okay. I'm good at bullshitting people. <laughs> okay. You know that. Now, I was going to go on to ask you about how you're getting booked so much because I see you on Facebook and Instagram. Not Facebook. You really don't do Facebook. I nah. see you on Instagram and you're promoting the shows that are coming up with um, uh, what? Mike Loro and um, I, I forget exactly, but but no how is it that you're getting booked so quickly? I mean, you do well at the open mics. Is that where people are giving you these offers? I think this honestly goes back to our previous point of bullshitting, Carl. Like, I feel like it looks like I'm getting booked left and right. But, like, I only have, like, one show booked for September. Like, it's not that crazy. Uh -huh. It's not like I'm I, – I don't even have a consistent show every week. Like, I mean, I wish I did. But, yeah, I think, like you were saying, I just kind of have a bit more social media knowledge than the mm -hmm. average comic not like no disrespect to any mm -hmm. comics but like i am just 24 i was a marketing major i still feel like i'm pretty shitty at it but <laughs> so i just like post like whenever i do something i went on um, my first kind of road date in charlotte because i did a show at the dojo mm -hmm. my friend gerard like gave me this sick opportunity so once again, it's like, I'm obviously going to post that because then people see it. It looks like I'm doing big things. Like that was my one time oh, being gosh. out of the Northeast mm -hmm. and like, God knows when it'll happen again. But <laughs> yeah, it's all, it all goes back to like marketing yourself and like, yeah. promoting. you know, I'm still like, I still struggle to cut clips to do all that shit. So I'm glad it looks like I'm killing it. Like, now, I want to get to this countdown. I know that's true, but still, I got to ask more. Where do you think you want to go with this? I mean, it's you're, you're, it's not even been a year, but now that you've gotten the feeling of doing setup punch, everybody's out there. That's a room full of strangers. They're laughing. Where do you, where do you think you want to go? Where do you see yourself going? I don't mean in five years. I mean, like, what's your next step in comedy? Do you think? What are you striving for? Well, I'm striving for everything, Carl. I want to do it all. I want to just really grind. I want it to be like, I'm still working. I mean, I don't know if you can tell by this backdrop. Like, I am in like my my childhood bedroom. Like, I'm still at my dad's yeah. house once again. It's very understandable at 24 years old. Yes. No problem. But I am working on getting a place of my own in Jersey City. I've been going into the city more to do those spots. Um 
yeah, I mean, in the immediate future, just want to book more shows, you know? Well, like some people like they want to do a TV pilot. Some people want to oh, do no. a webisode. It, I, that's why I meant. Where were you going? You want to be a booked working comedian? I like to do stand up. Yeah, I do not have. Oh well. Also, I want to have a podcast as well. I mean, this is cool. First time doing like anyone's podcast. Wow. I want to have my podcast, but really, my one love is like the stage and uh-huh. just sort of like keep writing keep getting better like i said i'm very new at this so like every time i get on stage i'm sure you can relate like i'm learning something new i'm Mm -hmm. finding like kind of my voice i've been lately just more comfortable on stage where i'm a bit more unhinged like i do more crowd work it like still very green in terms of the industry and like I mean i just fucking love it so Mm -hmm. i want to just keep doing it as much as possible and like keep getting booked you know now i bet you don't have a website but how can people find you out there on the internet out there on social media certainly instagram you have tiktok how can people get in touch with you how can they check you out that's a great question girl and one i am working on the website that will be fired up soon very nice Um, cast comedy on ig tiktok i'm not great at it once again it's a little younger than my age Chastity O'Mal, I believe, is my handle. Chastity. Chastity O'Mal. I think I meet it in college. There's a lot of bullshit on there. Yeah. A lot of just like nothingness. But um, yeah, you guys can find me on there. And Carl, hopefully, I'll see you like at a mic or a show. Always, I'm sure. That. We it rub was, elbows all the so time. Thank you so much for having me. This was sick, and I I will definitely like talk to you more um about the back end of things, like when I see you next. That sounds perfect. Okay, now, Cassidy O'Malley. Everyone at home is poised to press play at the same time as we do here in the studio. We're going to watch this movie together. Okay, so why don't you go ahead, Cassidy O'Malley, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Hell yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy this movie. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, quite a snack. Quite a (laughs) nice face to look at, right? All right, guys, enjoy the movie. I am going to do a countdown and here we go. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, celebrity comedian. That was really cool, Carl. Thanks so much. Yeah, uh, thank you. We're going to start our movie from Mongrel Media. No, no, it's not. I mean, that's a promo thing. Yeah. Now, now we're seeing the real film. 50s film. I don't like this movie already. <laughs> well... When we open up, we're actually not watching this movie. We are watching B-roll footage from the film Mr. Deeds in 2002. Oh, the Adam Sandler movie? Yes. yes. <laughs> A few years ago. I, I got a house. My name is Mr. Deeds. Now, this, is, they, this starts out in Indiana, the hometown of our heroine. But okay. really, this is New Milford, Connecticut. And it's B-roll footage from the remake of Mr. Deeds in 2000. How crazy. Right here, what we're watching. Yeah, I don't think Sandman would leave the Tri-State area to make a movie, right? <laughs> no. No. So this is all Mr. Deeds. Okay, I mean, I guess... it's over now. Now okay. we're into our film, Principal Shooting. This started in 2008, even though this movie didn't release till 2015. It was a mess making Tell me. this film. Tell me more. Well, I mean, they kept running out of money. You see, they started shooting in 2008, 
and the guy who provided the finance, who's a, who was a, who's a powerful man, but he was young to Hollywood, new to Hollywood. Right. He claimed that the 2008 bubble, you know, like real estate bubble or whatever it was, the, the um, uh, what is it, default credit swaps, whatever that was. Yeah, the big short. Right. So, right, the big short uh, is fucking with their financing, and the producers had to take 50% pay cuts and stuff and anyway this thing didn't finally get done until released until 2010 and the director was like screw it i'm alan smithy for this film i'm not even gonna he's alan smithy now this is not just any old director right this is not like some guy who just came out of it no we're looking at the list of people starring this movie and it's a fucking motley crew of actors that's right. This is a major motion picture. David O. Russell was David our Russell. director. David O. Russell. And I got a list here. Let me just tell you for the plot, though. We're meeting Alice, okay? Yeah. And Alice's mom is is uh, National Lampoon's vacation. Beverly D'Angelo? D'Angelo, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the mom's proud. The mom and dad are proud of her. And this cop just came over and asked for her hand in marriage. Well, he she, she knows him, right? Yes, they've been dating. This is... This is uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog sheriff. It is Sonic the Hedgehog. This guy, you'll know his face. Is, it's, his James. hat is down right now. But it's Scott Beardsley. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, In James. real life, it's James Marsden. Yeah, he's Harry Lame. You ever see uh, Anchorman 2? Yes. I'm Harry Lime. And he made a bet that if he lost, he had to say his name was Harry Lame. Yeah. He lost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm this actor. Uh, like, Harry Lame. At the first time I ever encountered him, I was like, well, he's just Mr. Handsome, so therefore Mr. he's walking Handsome. through stuff. But he's not. He's not walking he, through it. I don't know if you ever sat through the TV show Westworld, but he has yes. such a vulnerability. Like, he seems like he, his heart is broken through every scene in that movie. It's he's a real actor. He really is. Yeah, and he's friends with Sonic the Hedgehog. How- Let's watch Distinguished guests, welcome to LWAFLMOIT. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with our distinctive guests, our hosts, Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Merry Christmas, Carl. Merry Christmas, Mike. It's Merry wait, Christmas, like, Carl. Why are we saying Merry Christmas? I know it's February 27th, but Merry <laughs> Christmas. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, welcome, stinky guests, uh, LWAFLMOIT. Thank you, that- Mike, for having me once again. Uh, you, you, Carl, you did the theme song. You have an interview coming up. You yeah. researched this movie. Thank mm-hmm. you for inviting me onto the show. <laughs> <Appreciate that. laughs> we do this show 
every Sunday at 2 p.m. here on mutinyradio.fm. We're streaming right now on mutinyradio.fm as we do every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and then specifically uh, 5 o'clock on the East Coast time. You could also don't have to stream us live. Uh, you can listen to our podcast drops every Sunday night. Uh, follow us by our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Y-T stands for YouTube. Uh, we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Carl, what is the movie this week? Okay, this week we are watching The Funny Farm, 1983. That's what you put in the search engine, The Funny Farm. Don't put in Funny Farm, no. The Funny Farm. Put in 18, 1983. We like the channel Crud Buddies. Right, because we are Crud Buddies ourselves. Yeah, who wouldn't yeah. like Crud Buddies? Who loves if you crud name buddies? the channel that, we're subscribing. Uh, you, you ever see uh, um, Black Sheep with Chris Farley and, and David Spade? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I saw that piece of crud. All right, so remember the scene where uh, this this Opie sprays a fire extinguisher on David Spade, and yeah. uh, and uh, Chris Farley says, "Hey, why don't you jump in the pool and, and wash off all that white mud?" And mm. David <laughs> David Spade says, "Oh, I discovered white mud." I'm a millionaire. And Charlie <laughs> goes, no, no, I said white crud, white crud. <laughs> all right. I thought I would start off our show with that. I love that all scene. Right. So, all right, crud buddies. Uh, so, crud buddy. so, you know, uh, we have some instructions for you to do, but we also have a really exciting feature that gives you some time. So well, wait, you're gonna... tell, them, tell them the instructions. Yeah, right? you oh, absolutely. Find... Yeah, absolutely. So we want you to go onto YouTube, search for... The Funny Farm, 1983. Duh. Duh. As Carl said, we need to get the duh in there. You'll find the movie as hosted by Crud Buddies. Click the link, hit pause, move the timer to zero, zero, zero. Uh, and when we say go, hit the play button. We'll all hit the play button. Now, right. we are not going to say go. We have a celebrity comedian to do our celebrity comedian countdown. Carl, yes. take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with... Donna Lloyd. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You started at Scotty's. You took the comedy class there with Chip Ambrosio. You have blossomed to go on to so much more and become a real comedian. But why don't you just tell us about your launch a little bit? Okay. Well, I started at uh, Scotty's Comedy Cove School with Chip Ambrosio in June of, or uh, April of 2017. 2017. And you go for six, 2017, yeah. They go uh, for, I think, six weeks, and at the end of six weeks, you do your, your show for your friends and family that come to see you. And it was a great launching pad. Um, I got a lot of work right away out of the gate from Scotty's <laughs> and got to network with uh, some higher-level comics. How much in your original routine for that showcase remains today? Um, I'd say a good portion of it. Uh -huh. And I just keep, I'd say a good portion of it. Um, a lot of it's changed, obviously, and a lot of it I've, you know, swapped out for other things. But I just keep that particular act, and then I'll just layer in and layer in and then kind of be able to pick and choose when I go to a venue if I want to do this segment or that segment or use those or just pull them out of the hat as I need them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd say maybe, I'd say maybe 60%. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. That's uh, still a pretty healthy chunk, right? I think you got a yeah, good I punch like my, there. Uh, <laughs> I like now, some of my own jokes. <laughs> everybody does, right? I laugh at my own jokes. Yeah. So, um, you are, I, you're down South Jersey. Is that fair to say? Do you think of it as South Jersey? Central Jersey. Central, Central Jersey. Call it Central. But even though you're Jersey far away, Shore, Central Jersey. Jersey Shore, that is where, so even though you're far from us up here in the North, you still come up here, you know? I mean, you go further than Scotty's, right? If you've got a gig. Oh yeah, sure. I've been in Brooklyn and PA, New York, Atlantic City, wherever. Wherever the goods are, that's where you got to go. Yeah, I was going to mention Brooklyn. You did the rooftop shows there during the pandemic, right? They were outside at La Brea Gardens, and then we moved indoors with the Brooklyn House of Comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, did a lot of outdoor shows during the pandemic. I was lucky like that. Restaurants, you know, outdoor venues. Now, I was going to ask how the pandemic affected your comedy. You just went over, like, being outside, which was different, which was okay in the summer, right? How else have you been affected, you know, as a comedian, getting out there and doing your thing with this, with this COVID, with this coronavirus crap? Yeah, coronavirus is terrible. Um, well, I, <laughs> I, you know, I think like anybody else, I just have the ebbs and flows of, the moods that any comedian probably suffers from. Um, I try to uh, keep a balance and keep things in perspective. You know, comedy is something that brings joy to people. It brings joy to me. Um, obviously, like I had six shows booked this month, and I've already lost four of them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're experiencing, and everyone is experiencing that on different yeah. levels. Um, but you just have to keep it in perspective, you know, when it get when it's good, it'll be going again. And when it isn't, you just have to do other things like zoom or get creative. I've done a few zoom shows. I was just going to go there every week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was just going to go there and ask you about what do you think of zoom? I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same, right? It's not the same. It's almost like performing in front of a mirror when you're practicing. <laughs> if you, anyone does that, I do. Um, mm -hmm. But And so it's a little strange because you're not getting the reactions that you would and that rapport with the audience. But, yeah. it, you know, if you're getting paid to do 10 minutes and sit in your living room or bedroom, it's not so bad. Yeah. And it is yeah. a cool way to communicate. I'm, I do a weekly podcast every week with a bunch of comics that are all over Chicago and uh, New York and PA. And it's kind of cool that we meet once a week and get our yayas out. What's it called? What's that podcast called? Mm -hmm. It's called Logic and Laughs. Uh huh. Headed by Tori Tori Seward. I think I I connected you with him on some level. He's looking to come down and we'll do some stuff at Scotty's. But they're all comics and they're young, and I'm probably the oldest one there. Uh huh. <laughs> so there's some generational and cultural things that. I don't get or that they don't get, which is kind of cool, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It keeps, keeps me going anyway. What do you bring to the podcast? The logic or the laughter? <laughs> Hopefully a little of both. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully a little of both, yeah. Well, that sounds logical. So, <laughs> how do people find you out there on the internet, on social media? I think you've got a YouTube channel. YouTube channel, Donald Lloyd Comedy, on the social media. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok. I think it's called Aunt Donna Knows, although I don't manage those things. Uh -huh. I'm not too tech savvy, so I have people that 
do those things for me. What about Facebook, though? Yes, I have that. Donna Just Lloyd Donna Lloyd. Comedy. You'll see it. Donna Lloyd Comedy. You'll see a picture of George Burns and Jack Benny, my favorite comedians of all That's time. Right. Yes, you do see that. Yeah. Favorite comedians of all time. That's really, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty good company there. So, okay, Donna, everybody at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same second as we do here in the studio. We're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead, Donna Lloyd, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Okay, thank you. We're going to go with three, two, one, press. Oh, I'm really excited about this movie. You know, yeah. I heard about this movie because Peter uh, Aykroyd is in this, Dan Aykroyd's brother, who was right. a part of, uh, I guess, the fourth season of SNL. And then yeah. he wrote uh, theme songs, songs for, his, for Aykroyd's movies. Right. And he was in some of Aykroyd's movies. Uh, you know what I, but you make money off the songs, right? If you write the song to Loose Cannons, every time that plays, they get a little royalty check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can be very tiny, but if you're talking about millions, it adds up, you know. He was in The Coneheads. He was in Dr. Detroit. Um, yeah, so – really That's really – you know, they, they were – they weren't um, – uh, they, were, they were good bro buddy, brothers, friends, right. and uh, – they co-wrote uh, screenplays together. Um, let's see. Um, uh, Nothing But Trouble in the early 90s. Peter wrote oh. the story. Dan wrote the screenplay. Um, Co-created the Canadian sci-fi show Sci Factor. Which and... makes sense because Dan Aykroyd is also into like UFOs and yeah. psycho bullshit. So they must have had a charming childhood. They, they uh, did uh, 88 episodes of that, and yeah, probably in their childhood, like Dan's going, "Look at that! Look what! Look up at the sky! Look at that!" And he goes, "Holy crap! It's yeah. a UFO!" There must have been a bunch. They of They must have been. You know what? Peter was probably uh, saying, "Hey, you know what would be great?" And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a pen. No, Peter, tell me. <laughs> you know? But also, we should mention Peter Aykroyd passed away in November last year. He even yeah. got a um, like a, a memorial on SNL. Really. He had an untreated hernia, untreated, and he died just before his uh, 66th birthday, like a couple weeks. Uh, septicemia, caused wow. by an untreated abnormal hernia. So I think he probably shouldn't have died. He, uh, he probably, you know, is sort of like a mistake. It's a real shame. Uh, I, I kind of I knew of him through the through different things, but I have always heard about this movie, The Funny Farm. I had no idea what it was about. I just yeah. knew that Peter Aykroyd was in it. Uh, I saw it listed on FilmRise streaming, and I said, "Shit, if FilmRise has it, YouTube has it, and God bless it does." And the movie's about stand-up comedy. Yes, that's right. Now, what we're watching right now is um, a guy named Mark Champlin. And Mark is heading from his home in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way out to L.A. to become a big comedian. And he's, he's not going to New York City? Right. He's going Mark. to L.A. So Mark Chaplin is not driving in the early 80s to New York? <laughs> no. Okay. You Peter. think that would be the destination for – okay, this is our director. Oh, pump, pump and Gas in the HBO vanity? But you wish this movie was on HBO. This is Ron Clark – and he is our director, and he's making his cameo. 
Nice. And he's yeah. like, where are you going? L.A. to be a star like Robin Williams. And he goes, who? How many times will Robin Williams' name uh, will be name-checked in this? Two times. Early, few times. Okay. Two times. Yeah. Two times. Twice. Ooh, a little cassette. It's just like a willpower. It's like I, he's going to listen to Steve Martin. He's going to listen to George Carlin. He's just yeah. – he's, he's listening – uh, you know, this was a time before you could catch any comedian ever. Right. So he has the album, you know. The, the, and hopefully they paid the comedians to be in this movie. You know, I like uh, Steve Martin. Oh, so this is another Steve Martin movie I never saw. Oh, you mean you mean the comedians were hearing the voice? Yeah, on the uh, cassettes while he drives cross country. Interesting question. Did they? Did they have to. They have to get royalties. I'm sure it's probably. Now, here he has arrived in Los Angeles, but in truth, he's in Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Carl, for telling me that up front so I don't have to – because we're both Los Angeles natives, and we uh, it infuriates <laughs> us to no end when we can't recognize – oh, the comedy tree. So he, he wanted to go to the comedy tree, and it's literally closed. It was burnt down. It ha- a fire has occurred, and there is noticia – no, nos entrada, because it's burnt. So, do you think the comic on stage was like the roof? The roof. The, the, roof, the is roof is on fire. And we're like, hack, shut up, hack. <laughs> no, but I'm being serious. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. We heard it. So we don't give a damn. Ooh, juggling. Yeah. So he finds that the the club, the tr- comedy tree, it's it's gone. And so he's sort of wandering around, and he's bumping into Greg. His name is Tony Malsworth in real life, and Greg will let him know about a comedy club called the Funny Farm. That's now, where it's all happening now. We, now, even though we are Los Angeles natives and comedians, we're not going to pretend we know the history of Los Angeles comedy, which I'm sure this movie is mirroring and mirroring in, in close to near time because this is 83. This isn't mm-hmm. like dying to get. Re- oh, what was that? That Showtime Jim Far- uh, Carrey TV show? I'm dying up here, which was a, a two season show about the comedy store. Oh, okay. Oh, so, gosh. I, I, I missed that one. I, I did see Crashing on HBO. Uh, but that's a New York comedy scene, right? It's and this, and it's not reprising the late seventies, early eighties. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's a better analogy, the Jim Carrey one. And the thing is, like, okay, it's a movie, so I forgive it. But it's like he's bumping into exactly the right person who is friendly and helpful. Yeah. Well, but okay. I believe a comedian coming into Los Angeles on the first night would drive straight to the comedy tree and then harass them, a street performer to find out where another no, set is. Harass is not the right word. It's all very nice and friendly. Oh, hey, there's the wall. Where's my picture, Carl? Yeah, you're not. It's, it's prior to your arrival. Now, this was a comedian. Uh, her name is Majori Gross? Ma- Ma- oh, Majori Marjorie Gross. Marjorie Gross. Okay. And she really went on to be a writer. She wrote for all, including Seinfeld. She wrote for a lot of things. Wait a minute. But I know who you talk. She passed away. They, they credited yeah, her. As, yeah. Like, really got ripped off. She died of ovarian cancer at the age of 40. Wow. Yeah. She's really died young. And um, 
let's see here. She wrote one of our favorite shows was Get a Life. She wrote five episodes. Oh, how fun. I love that show. Yeah. Uh, she's all over the place here. The Larry Sanders Show and New Hard and Alf. And she was a writer. She started as a comedian. Now we're meeting Gail. And I guess you're going to want to say she's like the comedy store lady. Mitzi Shore. And that's probably her husband. No, or well, somebody. Okay, the guy she's talking to is the owner of the club, and his name is Harvey. Really, it's a guy named Derek McGrath. You might have known him from uh, Cheers. He was the guy, person who was going to, like, strangle Shelley Long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, listen, did Mitzi Shore have a reputation for sleeping around with the comics? Uh, according to whom? The comics from the early 80s? Well, I mean, I'm just saying, in this movie, that's one of the main things about Gail. She's scared of earthquakes, and she sleeps with the comedian. Okay, so just, just for being alive on planet Earth, here's what I know about Missy Shore. Missy Shore opened up the seminal uh, comedy store and redefined comedy, and pretty much everybody in there became superstars, yeah. uh, came out of comedy. And then she was, you know, she was a club owner, so she, well... She owned it with her husband, who was a long-standing comedian, like Paul mm -hmm. Shore or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Not Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is her son. Right. Uh, I forget his name, but he was a he was a big-time comedian who was always at the B level. He opened for all the big guys. Yeah, I think and he opened for his son. A comedy club makes sense for him. You know, that's the way to get rich and get known if you're not really, you know, making it. All so, the way. so, so this, this, I guess the story story is that he owned it, but Mitzi was the brains and the power behind it and yeah. uh, ran it. And uh, I know there's a reality show called Minding the Store where Pauly Shore uh, resumes uh, control of the of the comedy store because his mom's ailing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like how this camera. So Ron Kraft, the director, is like, "Here's your next comic. Here's a picture on the wall." Uh, Ron, oh, is Clark, this this, yeah. this is is this That's Peter? Peter. That's Peter. Yeah. What's what's his act? Um, he he's funny. Let me remember what he's. Oh, uh, he's kind of um. He okay. Wait. See, I got to say this is very interesting because we've been following Miles or or Mark. Yeah. To literally drives up to L.A. and he walks in the club and then the camera immediately flies away from him. Oh, look, you're not going to fuck me? I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. So he it's basically establishing this is where it's at. This is our – okay, here's Howie Mandel, and I was a fan back in the day. Me too. I had his album, Fits Like a Glove. Yeah, me too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was A really prop comic album. Yeah, he's a prop comic, and he's going to do a few props here. But what the director's doing is letting us know this is the setting for the uh, uh, movie, and the reason is it's where the comedy is happening. Now, this isn't an open mic. It is, like, in front of real people, but it so feels like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah, and... All the comedians know each other. Like, half the audience is comedians. Now, it was weird. When Gail said, give her the light to, um, to Marjorie, yeah. they flickered a light that the whole audience could see them flickering a light. 
You know I've been to clubs club. like that. There's some oh, clubs yeah? that, well, there was a club called Doc's Lab in San Francisco, and unfortunately it closed, but they built it from the ground up. Uh-huh. And one of the things they did was they had a light on the wall, like kind of like a submarine light with that kind of like metal around it. And yeah. it was very clear. And if you're in the audience, you could pick up what it is. So this uh-huh. is not Los Angeles. This is not Los Angeles. This is not Hollywood or Sunset it, or uh, Melrose. Right. In the movie, it's Los Angeles and it's the funny farm, the, you know, the happening club. In reality, yeah, this is Montreal, Quebec, wow. Canada. Which is crazy. Well, a lot of, I guess Peter Ackroyd was Canadian. And so uh, is Howie Mandel. Howie and Mandel. So uh, Marjorie. Th- these, are com- uh, these are Canadian comedians. Okay, look, I got to go uh, uh, network, Carl. I'll be right back. Hey, great okay. set, buddy. You were great. great hey, can I get a smoke? Hey, you guys smoking pot? You guys smoking pot? Can I join? This, this guy, this is Sammy, and he's selling jokes. Oh, yeah, as one does. Right. He's got a special tonight, one joint. One joint, and he'll give you, he'll give you a joke. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good deal, because I would milk Sammy, that joke to death. In the plot, Sammy is the son of the very famous comedian, uh, Philly Beekman. And they'll go visit Philly. And the director tries to show us the contrast between the established comedians who are like uh, Milton Berle types. The Vegas and the guys. the new comedians today. The young yeah. comedians, right? Isn't that yeah. the HBO term? Yeah. Young comedian young special. Comedians. Oh, is he? So I know this guy. This is the Pinky and the Brain guy. Yeah, that's right. He's all about doing impressions. And that's what he does throughout the entire film. Yeah. And he does impressions when he's not on stage, which kind of bugs me. Like, we don't get together as comedians and do our acts off stage, you know? I know, Carl. Um, don't you hate it when a comic is doing their act? You're like, hey, what's up with the world today? And they're all like, <laughs> I, gotta, I haven't got to the tag yet. So his name is Maurice LaMarche. And yes. He was a Canadian voice actor from Toronto. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain, and he was the brain. Um, he's a lot of stuff. I mean, I even – I recognized him. That's like how much shit voice talent work he's done. I actually recognized him when he popped on screen. Uh-huh. You recognized his face. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's – well, I could – I recognized Tara uh, Strong. I recognized Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. Oh, drunky pissed in his pants. Yeah, and he goes, well, now that's funny. <laughs> So he would go on to be in Zootopia. He was Mr. Freeze from Batman. He was in Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes, a a more modern one. Yeah, no, he's the king of it. When my kids were young, they used to watch The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And it turns out he was in that too. So his name's Dickie in the movie. All right, so fair enough. There's there's his impersonation, uh, 80s stuff. Hello, I'm Carl Sagan. Billions and billions. Yeah, you're hey. right. He's doing Jimmy Carter. He's doing. Uh, you're right. He's doing contemporary. Can I can I do my Ronald Reagan? Yes, go ahead. All right, Ronald Reagan. Where's your? Uh, where do you get your drinking water? Well, <laughs> very funny. Damn that! Grand slam. Well, now sometimes I'm wondering why do they have fake names? I mean, like uh, for instance, Mark. Champlin in our film, his real name is Miles Chapin. So why not oh. just make him Miles Chapin in the film? 
You know what? It's a fictitious film, and they decide to kind of divvy up. I'm trying to think if I've seen, like, there's a lot of comedy. How many comedy movies have you appeared in where someone shows up with a camera from making a, either a documentary or, like, an uh, expose? I was about to say zero, but I guess one. At the Wawa Social Club, this guy is making a documentary, and he just filmed every night. So I was only on one time. It was an open mic, so it was all new jokes. But luckily, luckily, I hit. So maybe I'll be in this documentary. I'll uh, probably never even know when it comes out. It's going to be nothing, you know. Yeah, it's going to be nothing. I did one. I was at a, a comedy competition, which I don't even. It's a show. At the end of the night, it's a show. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with, with the competition. And some guy was like unannounced recording it. So I'm listening on IMDb for his little magic special documentary. Uh, I was on public radio, a uh, documentary on comedy, and I told one new joke that I didn't like, and that was the joke they kept. Cause it, oh, it brought great. Thanks. And then, uh, uh, what else? Oh, gosh. Oh, and then uh, a friend did a, like an expose, like a fictitious thing in a comedy club, which we taped. I'm in a couple of those. I'm actually in a documentary called The Comedy Club about Cobb's Comedy Club. I think cool. it's where Tom Sawyer's wife, yells at me for not cleaning a table properly for a space they never used, which I knew at the day of. Uh, but who knows? Uh, I heard it was an unwatchable documentary, but it's finally released, and they're using it as a benefit uh, recently for Will Durst, uh, which is terrific. He's a great comic, and anything to help him out at this time is terrific. So I like the documentary now. Did you get an IMD credit, IMDB credit? No, I didn't. You know, I signed a piece of paper, or I didn't sign a piece of paper. I only heard about the movie about eight years ago where uh, I had a weekly Facebook page for a weekly show event I had. And uh, the guy who did the movie started posting on my site, but I had, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to be approved and I kept declining it. So we've met now the love interest. So what's happened is he knocked over the waitress's tray and it was a big thing. And Gail said, you're a twerp. And, you know, it was like a negative. But the thing out of it is he's now meeting his love interest and she's taking him to where the comics hang out after so this is a waitress at a comedy club he's dating the waitress immediately yes immediately and she is an actress now you know once again like i forgive it because it's a movie and they gotta move it along right Um, and comics and waitresses do date i suppose wait staff i should say wait staff and comedians so now he's like not being funny, but we're supposed to think it's funny. Like he pulled out a uh, Polaroid, right? It was really a napkin. He, had, he pulled it out of the, you know, and he's saying, "Shake this. If it doesn't develop, take two aspirin and call me in the morning." Something like that. Uh, yeah, try too hard, man. But yeah, also, you don't, you don't. She's um, she's really all about soap operas. Uh, she's not a comedian at all. That's not why she's in this film. Her name is Tracy Bregman, and she was on Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. That's her claim to fame, wow. really. This is something she just did. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if she could deal with soap operas, she could deal with comedians. Look at their all guess, assholes. Yeah. Is this supposed to be cantors? This is like we're seeing that they're crazy. See, he's doing his impression. He's doing it right. I could tell by the eye. So that's the thing. Like, uh, it's just not true that offstage comedians are crazy and kooky. Look, he goes, don't try to toss salad. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> his lettuce is his hair. It me, but it's okay. It's a movie. 
Yeah, but you know what? Usually comedians are just terrible to be with, especially the the popular ones. Like if you know, you first go to the scene and there's say, a table. I gotta say that like comedians are just people, and there's a million of them, and, and they're oh, all granted. different. Granted, if you listen to comedian countdown. I mean, I, I I hit fifty comedians last year for you guys. Now look, like. People say you gotta be suicidal if you want to be a comedian. Comedians are just crazy. Okay, it's true. A lot of them are like that. A lot of them are antisocial and stuff. But it's just not true that that is the comedian. There's just too many. No, that's true. But I, I mean, I've seen like just claim. You know, part of it is that there's a vulnerability on stage. So when you perform, you're you're basically exposing yourself. And uh-huh. yeah. some comedians build a way to deal with it by being, you know, it's a sole proprietorship business. You don't have to be friends with anyone. And in fact, you don't even have to be polite to anybody uh, because it's all about the performing and, and, and working. And so, you know, I, sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes. Then they become assholes. There's like no excuse. Like if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad mouthing people, it's just like maybe it's you, you know? Yeah. This is his uh house. This is where he lives at the Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in <gasps> with her and become Ooh in a relationship uh wow they're kissing yeah they yeah he's this whole movie he moves fast he goes through everything so fast so it, this is like january 1st this is like a a, a year of this guy's life well it's he just arrived he just arrived in town he learned about the funny farm he went there and now he's kissing girls yeah and now he's at the new talent audition oh look at this the open mic oh and look at all the crazy costume people there's always okay, crazy. So- what happens here is you and I know um, that comedy doesn't really have an audition night in which you go up and see who's, you know, like, we're looking for new talent. No, rather, on a weird night like a Wednesday when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just, I wouldn't say a ploy, it's I'll use the word though. It's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a on a weird night, you know. Sure. And listen, that's when uh, you might get. I mean, I did that at Scotty's, and I got a job there as like a maitre d kind of thing, and that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't a audition, you know. It was just. Well, you know, that's what they're doing here. People are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star. It's not, it's, it's not really the world of comedy. But I do know, like, you know, if they're doing three different shows or like if it's Los Angeles, if it's Los Angeles, they might have a 630 show an eight o'clock show and a midnight show and a 10 p.m. show. All right, let me talk about that then, right? What really happens in the comedy world, and I think you'll back me up on this, is that you have at a comedy club a host a feature who does like 30 minutes and then the headliner does like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. That's really the formula, uh, whatever club you go to. This this club on their Saturday nights, like they have 20 comedians and they all get up there and they don't do a set amount of time. They just go until Gail says, that's it, give them the light. 
That's ridiculous. Oh, are these examples of the open micers? The the two, the the housewife and then the kid. Yes, and they're Is not it... open micers. They're going. They're they think they're at an audition. They're on an. They're going to audition night. But I know that you know some some clubs here in Los Angeles they do have technically an audition night. I mean it's a showcase, uh -huh. but basically you know you meet the people and they say okay come perform on on Tuesday. At Is the it a bringer? No, but you know they have other shows that night, even for Tuesday. So, so maybe uh, it is there. Maybe there is some reality to the yeah. All I feel night. Hey, it's all groomins or mans. Is it mans or groomins Chinese theater? Uh, I don't know. Even though I live, okay. Here we have Steve Allen. Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Probably. Uh, now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did, this director, listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director. He's a writer. Okay. And his, like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve Comedy, uh, Steve Allen Comedy Hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that. Oh, so he got his buddy in there. Yeah, so I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a sure. minute. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of a group. I don't know. But The Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in 1977, Silent Movie in 76. It's good. Three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot. Yes, that's one with a – that's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit let's make some money movie. <laughs> like the curse of the Pink Panther? <laughs> oh, I, I, I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We are, yeah. Now okay. here he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for president. Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the 60s. Danny Kay TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason – uh, so this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn show, Rich Little show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me. Uh, oh wow! He's all, he's all over the place as a writer. Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then. Uh, let's see. I think it was the year. Okay, uh, like eighty-six maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's going. Yeah. Oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set. Good set. Don't choke. So he's going to go off, fucking... and he's only going to do, like, three minutes. And Gail's going to say, Gail's, and he, did you see he, he had this traditional... Um, Tape player? That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, it wasn't his smartphone. Wait, so did he, he just get heckled by a comic? Yeah. Yeah, he got heckled by a comic. All right. He's going to do essentially three minutes, and he's going to have one giggle at the end. But Gail's going to say, that was good. That was really good. You can work here. Parking cars. Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching the door. He's going to be a valet. Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my – if he's eating it, he's probably doing my act. Hey, guys, have you ever tried – I'm sorry I'm, I got here so late. I feel really sick. I, uh, I had the green bread. You guys know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, it was fine when I moved in. The green yeah. bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetable. Uh, yeah, I thought it was vegetables. I thought it was plant-based. It was a growth. So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now. Well, he's not really eating it. 
it. He's just, they like him. They like him. No, the comics are – yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. There. I said my piece, Carl. Sorry, I just got myself a, se a seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Oh, you're killing me. Uh, not a comedian. Another comedian. Yeah. Not, not a comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. Yeah. Maybe you heckle a comedian. You're you're not a comedian in my eyes. So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh, he left his he left his thing on stage. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he left his the the comic the host called him out. He said you left your uh, tape recorder. Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times. You didn't have that sinking feel feeling. I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why yeah. I recognized it. <laughs> Oh, I left my phone? Shit. 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 I really wanted to listen to that set I ate anyway. Thank you. Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it. <clears throat> oh, do you ever, like, pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook? Uh, there's a Lost and Found at Scotty's, and there are some comedians. Uh, okay, here's the guy who's on Cheers trying to strangle Shelley Long. Um, oh, okay. So this is Mr. Shore. He, I guess he's just in this film. He's not related to her. He's just the owner, and he's up there and he's like doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you uh, saw this film, and so someone goes, "There's an, there's please an important announcement, important announcement." He goes, "Oh, excuse me, there's an important announcement," and he goes, "Get off the stage!" Hey, that's not funny. These are the comics pissing on the owner? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that I got to find a music. They piss on Gail and they piss on the owner. Yeah, no, that's not cool. Oh, yeah, here's the message. Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to open with the green. I'm not opening with the green bread Spiegelman. You got to rewrite the list. I'll close with green bread. Mike, do you care when you go up? Okay, you're first. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm a, you're first. Important meeting. Oh, I don't. I didn't really want to go. You're not Get really first. You're you're second. You're not really going first, Carl. You're second. You see, because I'm the host and I'll do a few minutes. Yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third exactly. the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian, and then the fifth comedian will be me again, and then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. Now go. <laughs> <laughs> don't you hate when when hosts do like five full minutes in between people hate that yeah i do and uh, i i'm looking at you i hope every comic went cold when i said that oh is that her casting couch there you go yes this is her casting couch but that's not what she's gonna do she's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant no, I, I did see this, but I, I'm just going to say this once, Carl, and uh, pretend I never saw it. Ella Burson is really acting in this movie. This is a yes. terrific performance. She's a real lived-in human being. Yes. Uh, and you can see her as the brains of and, and the disrespect she gets and yeah. how it feels on her. And it's like a real lived-in performance. I was just stunned by it. So anyway... Just getting back, and we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our, our other comedian friends acting, but it, it's a real difference to have an actor in this movie. An actress, yes. 
Now, I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the funny farm, apparently. And he's really good. And everyone uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called... He has bongos, Carl. Is his name Andy Kaufman? <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a crazy person. And we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is. It's Bruce Nutter. His real name is Mike McDonald, and he did have a career. In real life, he was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him. But um, he is good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos. Yeah. He's and he's taking pictures, and he's acting creepy with women. Why do you – anytime there's a – Something sexual, you have to make it creepy. You well, know, is he on stage? Is he in you know, control? Mike, are you a born again Christian? And yes, I am. Creepy. Look, I, did, this, I, did these girls look like they're creeped out? I think they want to be up there with him, right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off? What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy? Because uh, he's taking fun. All right, I get it. It's funny. All right. Again, I saw Howard Stern live like 40 years ago. Who am I to Mark, say? There are there are advances. Mark. There are oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, oh my god! Like, okay. what? you want to fuck children, Mike? He whiz. Wait, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not. No, but we saw Bugsy Malone, and you were like, this is sick. What's sick? It's cute. It's that a little inappropriate. Not, it is not inappropriate. Bugsy Malone is a little inappropriate. It, uh, because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something? She was. Hey, protected. when was the last time you, you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office? <laughs> well, it's 1983. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, because this is the powerhouse. Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it, too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. <laughs> now, this is uh, – that's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means because it's supposed to be a comedy club, and those guys are all the chosen performers, Peter Ackroyd. Oh, this, this, is this is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out, and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that. Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin did that. That was oh, part interesting. Of Steve Martin's first. So when Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to he he would uh, take the people outside. Now he had to learn to only do it after they dropped checks and got their money. You know, right? And this was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it, show's over, and everyone thought he was being funny. And he goes, no, seriously, show's over, I'm going outside now. And everyone started to follow him, and he was out by some, like, abandoned pool, and he walked down into it, and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He, he would take everyone out into the street, and then he would leave. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. I always thought, yeah, all right, well, yeah. I tried I, to find, like, a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could. 
Oh man, that would be so much fun to watch old old Steve Martin videos. Yeah, because the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums. You know, we see his polished. Uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have the comedy albums, which he performed uh, in San Francisco for the first album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on Red Rocks, right, with Side B, was it? No. I don't remember. I remember, excuse me, that was all in San Francisco. Right. It was like the works. God, it was uh, like the Fisherman's War, not the Fisherman's Wharf, but it was like some weird uh, name. Yeah. He'd, when I remember my first beer, that was San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Steve Martin had a heckler in the audience and he didn't pay him any mind. He just said, yeah, I remember my first beer. Which is like, he nailed that one. Like, yeah. you can't use that line. Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he, he nailed Yeah, I know. Sometimes, like, like um, I, I thought to myself, okay, I'll say alcohol lowers your inhibitions or something like that, but I never had the chance there's a joke in this one when it's still so bad. Howie Mandel goes like, um, I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke. What's the way? Explain the joke. I was well, trying I to would catch- say like, I would say like, oh man, I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching planes. I mean, they go like 400 miles per hour. Yeah, but when you say catch, then we know what the joke is. No, we'll catch a plane, you know. It's, yeah. It's yeah, a right. good redirect. It's a good redirect. Well, because it's a phrase. That's what's funny. There. So he's woken his girlfriend up at three in the morning and he's like, I have a persona now. I am a wasp. Nobody else is the comedian. You've got the lesbian <laughs> comedian, the Hispanic comedian. You've got the, you know, but oh. nobody's a wasp comedian. If I may. So, so comedians have to pander to white audiences so they won't so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace so it's like oh i see a mexicania or whatever they say in this movie yeah and he's like he watches that he goes shit i'll just say i'm white i'll do the same ethnic humor but i'll say i'm white uh-huh. well and you then- know you're right about that and i really didn't appreciate it in this film film the the guy his name is dino in real in the real world let me see if i can find it lou, lou dino as miguel he was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, the fry cook. Right, and he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, "Can y'all see me or should I smile?" I uh-huh. just, it's just so like pan. Um, what's the word? It's like. Uh, it's a bunch of things. It's, it is pandering. Uh, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's pandering kind of, to like the worst in us. Yeah. You know, it's you're black, so you gotta make it about being black. But he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke. Like I don't know. I didn't, oh my god, these comedians have day jobs. How strange. Yeah. Now this yeah. is the pinky in the brain. And it's his day job, and they showed up to fuck with him. Oh, and Howie Mandel has his handbag. Yeah, it's, it's that handbag. His handbag. Yeah, I, 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 getting back to like the, it is kind of pandering, and also like 
the material is aimed for white clubs, you know, and, and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian or a little warrior, you're going to have to play that way to, to, to connect to any crowd, you know, but I guess, yes. But also like there's other clubs, you know, like if I pander as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room, like, am I going to do the same bits? Probably have to explain no. Jewish stuff. Right. So it seems weird that, this guy is like he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way. Oh, Fernbar, how fucking Los Angeles in the eighties? Uh, yeah, and he's complaining about L.A. right now. Well, you're you are in a Fern Bar, drinking Perrier. She's just like the perfect girlfriend. It's a movie, you know. Oh yeah, because I mean. I don't know if waitresses, waitstaff likes getting hit by comedians. And then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, and they meet someone at work and they, they date, sometimes it doesn't last or sometimes it's really ugly. There was a ridiculous thing they said in here as if like, you know, like band members have roadies, you know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to date comics. It's not true. That's not true. That's it's not true. not true. You know, I know. Fact, we're the only. We are the only like get up on a like you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all. No, yeah, no. It, there's no group uh, groupies. Nope. Uh, nope. You know, no it's weird. Groupies. I one aside I would say is that uh, I, uh, Los Angeles like porn actors, I guess in the eighties, uh, I learned this from the true Hollywood story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole and, and mm, Christmas story, mm -hmm. Scotty Smith, who got into pornography, but they would always go, he met a lot of people at like the comedy store. Cause he's, uh, they would go be audience members at the comedy clubs. Look at the cops right behind him. Oh, they fucked up. Oh, well, no, what they're doing is a pretend insurance scam in which they're Claiming they're hurt and they got hit, and then when it turns out to be cops, they like they bail. They say, "Oh, I feel better now," and I don't know. It's not funny. Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them, and they were yeah, and then them. it was a cop. Yeah, but they got a comedy show. The show's still going on. Well, no, they're all not there yet, and G Gail is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, "What about this one? What about that one? All right." Put this one up and then so they that's how they're giving um uh mark Ch champlin a shot they're ah like, the, the yeah. classic that's a classic you know oh shit there no one's here and that fucking comic spiegelman is still at the fucking bar every night right. get him give, on give spiegelman a shot you know the last time that happened i could see the club owner uh like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have asked me like she was trying to look for everyone but me and I was like, well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, uh -huh. I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was, I didn't really, of course I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when I was that young. Right. But yeah, it was a little, you know, you gotta have a thick skin sometimes. So now they're like, oh, we feel better. Oh, because an ambulance showed up. Yeah, something like that. It's not funny. And it doesn't make sense in the real world and. Oh, there's old Colorado Avenue in the heart of Santa Monica. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, they, they got signs. They made signs and put them up. 
Uh, this is his big shot. It's your big chance. Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's a set. Like every time you go into a big club, I always like, I would always have my set list like prepared just in case. <laughs> I, me too. I, I have a set list in my wallet and it just sits there for the day. It's like, Mr. Kevin Hart is sick. And you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got, listen, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice Le, oh, uh, LeBrain. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. This is, this guy is, is Native American and he's doing exactly what you're talking about. He's making smoke signals, jokes. Uh, he's saying, if we didn't smoke, we made up the peace pipe. And if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would still own this country. It's, it's, yeah. I, I feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this. But I also feel like Mark Chapman, so this guy who can like, if it's a white crowd that everyone's been pandering so they can get, if he's on the same way, but they're all, and he does this, like he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. Like he steals, like the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to kind right. of. They so can't he, be themselves. So he, he, he says, oh, you know what? I'll just do it, but I'll do it a white style, you know? And then. Uh, it's it, creative it, though. It is. Well, you know, the whole like wasp humor in the 80s was Martin Mull, you know, the history of yes. white people and yeah. mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, The Jerk when they made a sandwich with mayonnaise. I, I, I thought I did that whole film. I don't remember. Uh... Didn't like his family made him a sandwich that had like mayonnaise on it? I they made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he All is. Right, put on the voice. Let's hear him. Let's All right. Here we go. Studio sound. This is really Miles's act, his real act. No, I don't. What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway and Sons. Oh, the, the Steinway pianos. Right, and in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons, and he pretty much hung up acting and comedy, and that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway, and he sells pianos. He, he wrote nonfiction books. One of them was called 88 Keys, you know. Oh, great. Oh, is he talking about a laptop? No, he's talking about the piano. Oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he had Now, this guy did have uh, two things, three things that were interesting. He was the, a character named Carter in Howard the Duck. Okay. Um, All right. He was in Hair. In 1979, as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of the so he was the guys. singer, yeah, and he was in the People versus Larry Flint, and he as Miles, that is his real name, in '96. So that's the same director, Miles Foreman. No, Miles Champ. Champ. No, no, but is, but the the People versus Larry Flint and Hair is the same director. Miles. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and a famous director too. His uh, name I, I, and hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of Stephen Wright. Oh, right. 
Well, you know, I know his face from the fun house. I've, okay. I've seen the fun house and I know him from that movie. No, he uh, was Richie in that movie in 81. Have and you I seen that? Mention, no, but I saw, we saw some horror. We saw some film, maybe it was that um, uh, performance. And one of the guys, like maybe the camera person was associated with the fun house. So I learned yeah. all about it. I saw it on TCM Underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it, what it was. We saw Eggshells. Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby Hooper. Well, one of his subsequent films in the early 80s, it's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him. And they go to like a, a county fair and they have like these, you know, a fun house. Uh, but there's like a, a, like a monster who slaughters them. Right. And yeah. it's a film of note. Like it was well done. I haven't. It's seen really it, well done. People people talk about it. So he was in that. He was in a bunch of stuff, but those were the things you'd know. Gee, and uh, I got some great poop on. What a wasp! What a wasp! He's got his he's got his white guy prop, like his he's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making it white. He's gentrifying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they spent uh, like under 